Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always dive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Hello, Homo Sapiens listeners. I'm just jumping on here. Did you hear me jump? To tell you that we have exciting news. If you want to listen to Homo Sapiens without the ads... Now you can! You can subscribe to Homo Sapiens Plus on Apple Podcasts and all future episodes will be ad-free. How do you sign up? Well, go inside your Apple Podcasts app, go to our Homo Sapiens homepage and the option to subscribe to Homo Sapiens Plus for £1.49 a month is there. There's also BT Dubs, a seven-day free trial available so you can try before you buy, which is my favourite. I like to do that in the supermarket whenever they've got a little snack being handed out. Anyway... I digress. Here's part two of our lovely chat with Dr. James Greenwood, the vet. He's a really nice, very genial man. I think they invented the word genial for him, actually. Fascinating story about growing up queer as a young lad in Yorkshire, becoming this sort of superstar vet who's on BBC Morning Live. Fascinating story. Here it is. You've spoken a bit about the stress that is unspoken about for vets, um, but also... You're flying into really full-on moments in people's lives, right? Mm. Yeah, I think... So the thing about being a vet is... And it's taken me... I mean, I'm coming up to 15 years now that I've been in practice. Wow. And I think of... It, it, again, you know, the changes that you go through as a vet from new grad through to sort of a few years in, the kind of burnout or compassion fatigue that a lot of vets feel and then I'm kind of in a I feel like I'm sort of into quite a nice time at the moment where where I've I've, I've, I've almost seen and done everything to be honest there's nothing that mm-hmm. comes through the door that I sort of think I wouldn't know how to deal with it and there's something quite sort of liberating about that weirdly so I'm kind of I'm I'm ref- in hindsight I'm very glad that I have always stuck with it because it, it is my dream job and I feel very grateful to be doing it mm-hmm. um but there are unspoken pressures and and it's a really complicated sort of thing to try and unpick or understand around why there is this huge mental health crisis in the in the veterinary industry and it is you know it is a crisis you know i think i think it's the latest stats i think are still that vets are four times more likely to end their life by suicide than the you know general population which is such a staggering statistic and and you know it's 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 really heartbreaking to think that there is that link there to a particular profession, which for a lot of us is our absolute dream to to be doing this. Um, But it's definitely not as simple as being a vet equals stress equals, you know, that sort of later stage. I think it's really important that we we almost change the dialogue and understand it better to to sort of 
think actually it's not inevitable that if you become a vet, you're going to have mental health issues or, you know, things like that. I think it's, mm-hmm. I think we've, we're understanding so much more about it and we are trying to, trying to actively and proactively improve that as a statistic within the profession. So there is, there is lots of work mm-hmm. being done, but I think in terms of that sort of snapshot into what it's like as a vet, you know, that there are amazing moments, you know, where, where you do, you know, well, make an animal better, save their life, things like that, which is just, you know, there's no feeling like it really. Even if you don't necessarily get that from the owner, if, you know, because to a degree you're kind of just doing your job, you know. <laughs> if an animal comes in sick and I make it better, well, yeah, you know, no shit, you're a vet. That's what you're meant to do. Um, but there are times as well where things don't go quite right. Um, and that can be very, very stressful. That can be really hurtful and, you know, um, but I think certainly, you know, a good example would be uh, if you're consulting. Normally you're consulting in maybe morning or an afternoon and you get broken down into into consulting blocks. You know, but it's not unusual to go from maybe like a, something as upsetting as putting a pet to sleep, you know, and you've got to somehow sort of shift focus, change your mask. You know, it's a bit like theatre. You kind of end that one sort of play and then you're immediately mm. back into a new family, they've got a new puppy, they're yeah. full of joy, and you've got to you've got to be present for each single consultation. Um, which is, you know, after a while that's that's incredibly draining emotionally. You you think that is what causes what we're talking about with the stress or do, what what have your findings been without wishing to oversimplify? Why are there four times as many people who want to so I can't quite remember the specifics of the four times more likely. I think um I think, I mean, there are lots of factors. There are lots of factors in terms of uh, everything from sort of client expectation, you know, these days with, you know, lots of sort of media coverage of amazing veterinary kind of advances, you know, that all comes with with a huge cost that maybe we don't talk about. So clients sometimes expect that we can do these incredible things, but then you drop the, the conversation around money and, you know, things, things can become quite awkward. The moment you bring money into any situation, it can, it can create a shift in sort of focus or it can just create tension. So there's client expectation, there's money, but then, you know, for how expensive it is to come to the vets, which often it is very expensive and we're very aware of that, the actual salaries that vets, employed vets, rather than, you know, the, the business owners or what have you, but the employed vets on the ground, you know, the salaries are, are often nowhere near what, what public perception might be of, of a veterinary salary. Um, mm. And, it's, you know, you definitely don't go into a job like this for the money, for sure. But I think there is also balance where the amount of training it takes to get there and then the amount of input you put in when you are a vet, you know, that there, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's wrong to sort of think you, that in the same way that everybody, you know, works for a salary, that you should be able to take home a salary that you can then, you know, is reflective of the amount of work that's gone in. You know, so there's, 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 there's lots of, there's lots of things. And then obviously the one big thing that we're all kind of aware of is this access to medication. So the fact that we as a profession, one of the very few professions that sort of do offer things, you know, euthanasia. So we've got very easy access to these, these types of drugs and we're dealing with it daily and we see how peaceful it is and, and, you know, I think that's that's something there as well. But but it's wow. very complicated. It's very complicated. It's definitely not something that, you know, is sort of a nuanced kind of, you know, this is why it's happening. I think there's I think mm. that is why it's so important that we do start conversations, open up about it and and get those that's that that data through. Mm. And what about being 
you know, a gay man as a vet? Are you a, what's the word? Rare bird? What's that <laughs> saying? <laughs> well, I mean, I'd like to think I am. Uh, but sadly, no. <laughs> uh, really? No, no, no. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very gay profession, <laughs> to be honest. It? Oh, it's becoming, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, um, so one of actually a very close friend of mine set up the British Veterinary LGBTQ plus society. Ah, fantastic. Yeah. And that's actually fairly recently, probably in the last five or six years or so. Um, because he was at Pride, London Pride. He saw that the doctors, the dentists, you know, there's all these sort of sections that have got their, their sort of representation and there was nothing for vets. So he set it up. And actually, I think that has really been, you know, again, it was interesting because you kind of get the response from certain members of the profession sort of saying, well, why do, you know, why do we need this? Um, because we're, open, you know, we are friendly. It's like, well, you know, that's, you know. It's like saying, why do you need a birthday? You don't, it's a celebration. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think having that representation and having that from, you know, uh, qualified vets through to students, through to pre-students, you know, school kids thinking they might become a vet, you know, want to become a vet. I think to be able to see that diversity within the profession, because it's Fantastic. very, you know, I think it's, it's, it's perfect. It's what we need, to be honest. But actually, a lot of vets have come out as being gay. So there, there is there is a there is a good representation within the profession. Mm. And I think, you know, the more we kind of fly that flag, the better. And when you say diversity as well, like how is it quite a white profession or am yeah, I completely wrong? Yeah. And I think that's, again, something that we are addressing. Um, I think that I'm always, you know, I've got friends, people of colour that within the profession and, you know, they they feel very passionately that this is something that we need to open up those conversations around. And I think, I think for me, it's about role models. I think it's about getting that conversation going because it's, it's, it is hard at the moment because it is so skewed towards being a white, pretty middle-class profession. Mm -hmm. So I think finding ways to improve visibility, to show that the profession actually is very welcoming, mm. um, when it might seem the other way, because I, I do honestly think it is a welcoming profession. It's just that it's not there almost. And I think role models are the key to saying, look, if you are, you know, a young person of colour and you think veterinary is for you, there is absolutely an open door for you here. And I think it mm. can come in lots of ways. It can come through the marketing material that practices use. I think it can come through, you know, when drugs companies are you know, sort of producing leaflets on certain drugs to use in your pets, improve the diversity there and show that, you know, th this is this is not a white profession that it should be. You know, pet ownership is not linked to your skin tone um, mm. and the love mm. of animals is not linked to your skin tone either. So that, that sort of old-fashioned taboo of, of it being something that, you know, only white people are interested in, I think is, is not fair. Are the people of Britain completely nuts about their animals? Oh, my goodness. I mean, I... <laughs> I mean, I think I'm quite nuts about my animals, but <laughs> come and spend a day with me and you will see how next level we really are with our pets. I mean, you know, I see, it, it, I think it's amazing, you know, I really do. Yeah. I think it's amazing that we have this link to our pets um, and this love for our pets, but it is, it is intense, you know. <laughs> and, you know I can remember really early on, fairly new grad, and I was working in a charity, uh, working in charity practice. And um, this lady brought in her Chinese crested dog, which is the, you know, the, the bald dogs with the sort of fluffy. Oh, yeah, I love them. Top. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's perhaps an acquired taste. I think that's the polite way of saying <laughs> it. Anyway, 
this lady was so super proud of her dog, which was which was adorable. You know, I, I, anybody that can come through my door with any pet and they will not get judgment. We're here to help. Um, but she sort of, first of all, had the dog in this kind of little bag, this sort of like papoose thing. And then she also had this vanity case because the dog was on quite a few drugs. So she had this kind of little vanity oh, wow. box where she opened up the box and there were all the little pills there. And it was all pink and it was all sorts of, you know, all labelled up and things. And then... I, I was, you know, trying to, cause you, you, you are under sort of time pressure. So I was trying to encourage the conversation. You know, like, so what, you know, what can I do for you today? Should we, should we sort of get into it? <laughs> and she was having none of it. You know, she said, no, hang on. I need to. And then she got her water bowl out and filled the water. This is all on my consulting table. I was like, okay, okay. And then she goes, right, we're ready to start. I was like, okay. <sighs> and she goes, but first of all, you must tell him how beautiful he is. No. <laughs> like, um, excuse me. And she said, no, before we do anything, you must say to him, I can't remember the name of the dog, but she said, you must say to him, he is beautiful. So I was literally stood there in this consulting room <laughs> looking at this Chinese crested dog and I literally followed her advice and I just said, you are beautiful. Said, Brilliant. <laughs> right. So he's been sick for three days in a row. No. I was like, what is this? What is this profession? <laughs> so that... yeah, there's all sorts of, you know, it, it's, it's mad, but you just roll with it. I love it. Because <laughs> I'm a terrible, terrible podcast presenter. We actually asked some listeners for some bits and bobs. So we should, we should have a look at them. Listeners of Homo sapiens, we asked, do you have a pet? 58% of you said, yes, you do have a pet. Then we asked, did you get a pet during the pandemic? Only 22% of listeners got a pet during the pandemic. It was actually quite a lot. Yeah. Then we grabbed the nettle or grasped the nettle or whatever the saying is and just said, cats or dogs? Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. We Now, James, I think I know your answer, but let's hear yours. What? Cats or dogs? Yeah. Oh, well, now, so I... Oh. How do I so my husband is allergic to cats. There you go. Okay. <laughs> so wow. Are you really not going to come down on a side? Is this a big thing? I mean, we have got two dogs. So I- I'm going to yeah. say that you- I can't say it. I can't say it. Why can't you choose? Because I, th- I don't want to be catted. Dog. Dog. There we go. He said it. I mean, I just love dogs. You know, we have we have two dogs. I love cats as well, but because Mark's allergic, we can't have cats. That's my diplomatic answer. They're just different things. They're different things. I love a cat. Cats are like, impress me. Dogs are like, oh my God, you're back. And <laughs> energy-wise, I sometimes find my little Ridley, which I'll, he's asleep next to me because obviously there's a radiator next to me. So wherever there's a radiator, there is a Ridley. Sixty-three percent of listeners said they prefer dogs. So really, you're on the side of the people. Interesting, James. interesting. And then we asked some things like sweet things that sweet things. Tell us about a time your pet did something special for you. Okay, these are beyond cute. Okay, so <laughs> Sean started with pissed on my bed while I was in it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I the mean, dog? I hope the dog. <laughs> I hope, it, yeah. <laughs> well, do you know what? The other day, I actually actually add to that. So the other day we were up for um, up for for the show, and so I have to bring the dogs up the night before. Yeah. And I never sleep particularly well the night before show anyway because it's really early start and stuff. And suddenly at four o'clock in the morning, I hear this. Oh no! Like this, and Dolly, my youngest <laughs> Labrador, who sleeps on the bed, um, decides to do about five patches of vomit all over the bed. And I'm like, in a hotel, there's no option. So I had to just sort of scoop it up, 
flush oh it down the toilet, and then God. get back into bed. Oh my <laughs> God, you poor thing. So I feel that, yeah. So Ridley is obviously a sausage dog, so he's tiny. So when we're like, me and my husband are in bed in the morning drinking tea or whatever, he will get into the bed and like burrow underneath. And you've never seen two people move faster when you hear from under the sheets, <laughs> like he's about to puke you're like go (laughs) leaping out of bed the ejector button it's just like get out everybody you have to just move him to a piece of floor where he can just just throw up on it Um, not that it happens a lot uh okay so then pickwick says a guinea pig jumped so high that she got stuck on the edge of her cage with her teeth oh no Never heard that. That's very interesting. Herbie says, My dad passed away early in the pandemic and I inherited his 17-year-old collie. She's still going strong. And whilst I'm not a spiritual person, I believe my dad is looking down on us and and is happy with how she is doing. That's lovely, Herbie. That's amazing. Whenever me or my partner goes out of the room, she searches for us until we return. Well, that's extremely cute. Yeah. That's that's just the amazing thing about animals, isn't it? That bond we have. They just know, don't they? Mm. And then Nosby goes in rooms before me because she knows I'm afraid of the dark. Ridley, oh. you could do a bit of that. <laughs> Ridley, just get rid, of, get rid of the ghouls. Go. Do you, know what, do you know what my dog does? Which is when I'm in the house by myself at night, and I, I'm just one of these people who get scared in the house by themselves. <laughs> oh, and the stairs. I hate the stairs. He will what what as in going upstairs or Yeah, isn't it? On your own, running upstairs. Oh. I still have to run. Go on, sorry. Do you? <laughs> um, I think uh, it's all scary. But he will start barking at a window, like mm. as if there's someone out there, and you're like, I do not need this because I know that you know more than I do. They can just <laughs> sense stuff. Do you know what I mean? So I'm like, I'm literally about to pass out unless you stop barking. <laughs> Um, then herbivore life said no one special thing but he gives me a reason to get up every morning and have a routine so good for your mental health yeah i think that's it and that's i think in the pandemic absolutely crucial so many people have talked about how our pets have basically got us through the last two years and i think that's Mm. one thing you know isn't it just having that sort of reason to get up and that reason to get out and stuff yeah it's lovely can you hear this dog burrowing next to me? <laughs> um, Bianca said, I suffer from rentium etriosis when I'm on my bad days. I eat my period. She usually cuddles on my lower belly, make mm. biscuits while purring as loud as she could, I jokingly say. Well, do you know, interestingly again, there is mm. some studies that, that I, 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 you'll have to excuse, I can't remember any of the science behind it, but there's something about the vibrations that can relieve pain. So, wow. so there, there's some sort of uh, technique that can be used on humans with these kind of ultra vibrating machines. And they think that a cat's purr potentially is a similar sensation. So cats potentially can actually cure pain in wow. certain ways, which I just think, I mean, I, again, you know, this is, this is, it might be a bit, it might be a little bit premature for me to be releasing so this what, as a, as a study. What James uh, is recommending is if you haven't got any neurofilm in the house, you walk out the front door and you grab the nearest cat, doesn't matter whose it is. Strap it, it to your, your belly. Head. Yeah. Strap yeah, it but, wherever. You know, it's interesting. Interesting sort of, you know, It's fact. very interesting. Well, the, it's a symbiotic relationship, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. like, it's a wonderful relationship. And, I don't know, it's devotion, isn't it? Mm. And uh, and simple. And I do think the reason we love animals is because they can't talk. Because... Yeah. And thank just... God they can't. <laughs> yeah. Can you yeah. imagine? Dogs, really? I mean, dogs would just say lovely things. But I feel like cats would give you a lot of feedback. 
Cats would be so fun. Imagine. Honestly, yeah. if a cat could write a book, just think, <laughs> it would be genius. I feel like they'd smoke, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They'd absolutely. be like, can you smoke in here? Yeah. Um, dogs would be like <laughs> getting up early, going for a run. And dogs would go for brunch. Cats would go to like drag brunch. <laughs> Even on a budget, Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. James, I didn't realise that you first entered the world of media by being on the Pottery Throwdown. I did. I did. Series right. one. Yeah, you... a long time ago. When was it? <laughs> so that uh, it aired, I'm going to say 2015, 2016. Okay, so I am so confused when I read this yesterday because, I forgive me, I hadn't realised, I thought you had come to prominence as a vet and Instagram. And then you did pottery. I knew you did pottery, obviously. Because when the pottery throwdown came out, it was like, oh, it's the new Bake Off, right? Mm. Was that really seven years ago? I want to cry. I it thought was it was two years ago. ago. So, the, so, the, it, it, so we were the very first series. So diehard fans will remember the first couple of series. You know, some, some say it's the best series. Well, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> first cuts to do this. Uh, you know, was, listen, you won't be drawn on dogs, but absolutely knows which is his favourite. Oh, when series. it comes to media, I am ready. This time mm. is sharp. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> Sarah Cox. Sarah Cox presented it. Lovely Sarah, who has remained actually a real, just incredible support. Wow. I, you know, but it was kind of launched as this Bake Off sisters, same production company. And I saw a Facebook ad and a few people sent it to me because I was doing pottery at the time. I'd only done it for a couple of years or so. And I just thought... Well, yeah, why not? Like, that sounds fun. And, you know. And then you got on the show. But it was very, do you remember, I mean, it, was it series one where it was all like incredibly phallic and a lot of innuendo in the trailer? So much. So much. I mean, you know, they took, the, they took this kind of, they took the soggy bottom, you know, bake yeah, off, you know, sort of feel it and, and, and threw it into pottery. And threw it, it in like full. it. Uh, yeah, see, yeah. it is full of innuendo. I mean, you know, the number of times you're talking about the rim or yes. you know, trimming <laughs> the bottom or, oh yes. God, or when you're pulling handles, it's it, you're basically <laughs> just tossing off clay, to be honest. It, it is, there's no other way of saying it. Wow. Um, and so, of course, then that going out to an audience is it just, well, you know, it's Mary Berry on crack in terms of, in terms there, of innuendo. There's an image. It's so, like, so I did pottery at school. It's really interesting, actually. You said two things today that I so relate to, which is, well, you said many, but, like, including being scared of the dark. But pottery and art club, and I actually did DT as well. That mm. was my sanctuary. Mm -hmm. Creativity is such a sanctuary for LGBT kids, I think, because you, it's just a bit more, I don't know, it's, what, what is it? I don't know. It's about expressing yourself, I suppose, isn't it? There's, mm. that, that is the only way to, to do it. You have to tap into your creative side, which I think then immediately opens a door for somebody to feel like there's an opportunity to 
you know, express themselves. Um, but I think that was, yeah, so, so that for me was, was absolutely it. So I, I had reached a point in veterinary where I was, so like I said, I, I was always quite creative at school, um, took art, you know, like all the way through, got into vet school with an art A-level, you know, so I was sort of like, it was always with me. And then wow. I did about maybe six years of vetting and I totally had turned my back on the creativity. I was just all about vet because, you know, it's so it is quite all in, all consuming. Mm. And then recognized that, that that was not doing me any favors. So opened up this kind of creativity again through doing pottery night school, like just started up. It was just something I was, I was in a flat share. One of the girls I was showing Louise, she was doing a jewelry course and I sort of got the brochure and started looking through. So oh, they do pottery. And we'd, I'd always been fascinated by pottery because we had a, a local potter back at home who was, you know, just, just amazing. And so that kind of, got me into it and then it just went on from there so i sort of developed this obsession with it really and pottery is like that you know once you get it under your nails once you get clay under your nails you'll be washing out for years it's just you just it just ticks so many boxes for so many people and i i really recommend clay for for everybody as a medium you don't have to be artistic you don't have to be you know the next Mm. grace and berry or what have you you can just just the feel of clay it's like mud you know it's just like that same Mm. thing of feeling that tactile kind of thing in your hand and molding it and sculpting it is it's mindful it is yeah there's something about it so i I think everybody should should just go and grab some clay and play with it to be honest (laughs) yeah see this is the problem the innuendo i mean um the it's like meditation and what i did over lockdown loads uh was i bought air dry clay which Mm. you can get on amazon for like fiver and you don't need to all the kit and you can just make things out of clay and you don't need to fire it and stuff for anyone who's thinking about dipping a toe in is the reason i'm saying that um and you can make some stuff and i (laughs) i was bored i wasn't bored it was lockdown what else are you gonna do (laughs) so i started like trying to make things but i would do i got really into paul filt I think is like this pottage, you know, the, mm-hmm. them really thin bowls. Yeah. So I worked out if I bought balloons off Amazon, other outlets are available, um, <laughs> and thinly spread clay, air dry clay over them, I can make these really thin bowls. So then I would sand them and stuff. Amazing. And um, it was really fun. And yeah. I also made some real shit that I thought was great at the time. I was going I'll back to my phone and saw some stuff. I was like, what is wrong with you? Honestly, I've got a graveyard of awful, <laughs> awful parts up in the attic. It's got like this box of just, oh God, they should, they need to become mosaics, I feel, really. Oh, uh, um, well, that's not a bad yeah, idea, that's actually. Yeah, yeah. That's normally what happens. And so yeah. you, you're still potting at the moment? Yeah, yeah. So the show, the show went out um, and that was great. And, you know, it was, I mean, again, sort of super stressful in some ways, but really fun. No regrets whatsoever. Went out. And then it was this interesting sort of time where it was kind of like I started getting lots of interest in the pottery and people wanted to sort of order stuff and things. And I hadn't got a style and I really wanted to sort of explore what I could make. Mm. And I ended up making dog bowls rather, rather you know, bridge that gap. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, so they so they kind of they did really well. But it, again, it was sort of bringing money into it, and I just I lost a little bit of passion for it because it suddenly became another thing to manage. So now I just very much I've got a studio at home, I've got a wheel, I've got a, 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 you know it's, it's a good kiln, but it's it's not huge, so I can't get a huge amount of work through it. Um, but I uh, I just make when I what I enjoy making, and that that is is the best way to do it, and sort of just like take the pressure off yourself to just think just just go and 
make and sometimes I will just make a load of pasta dishes uh, other times I'll make a huge kind of you know decorative vase but it just it, I, you know you just just go and make and just as long as I'm on that wheel I am I feel so much better afterwards it's it's a real a real kind of uh, help so oh, yeah great. you need to come you need to come and you're going to teach me right absolutely the door I mean, is open the wheel thank is spinning you. come on and in. and and I I mean I have to say I literally I did it when I was 9 so I'm I, it's a beginner situation. It will be amazing, honestly. It okay, will be great. Well, we thanks. Will, I really appreciate. We will, make, it. <laughs> we will make it. We'll make something. Who knows what? But something will come out of it. Whether it's an ashtray or an egg cup, who knows? I'll come with a scrapbook. Don't you worry. <laughs> I'll find some really famous potter that I want to rip off, and you'll be like, "Oh, for fuck's sake! We, can we not just make a jug?" James, yeah. what's next for you? Well, I mean, the Potty Throwdown was. It was a great platform, you know, and it sort of it opened up so many doors. So from the back of that, we've done I did a series on CBBC, the Pets Factor. Then we did some the Morning Live stuff series yeah. on ITV has gone out. So it's been all these different things. Um, I would love to get keep going down the television route. I love the fact that I can reach such an audience with television, you know, because because a lot of the stuff that we're covering is the same stuff that I'm saying in a consulting room, but just to, you know, millions of people instead of just one individual person. So there's a real, mm. you know, that that's the drive that keeps me doing it. So I'd love to do more television. It's been, it's been a real adventure. I'm just going to say, I feel a children's book. Who knows? James, you've been wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I'm going to come visit you and we're going to make a pot. Do it. Or 10. <laughs> What a man. Love him. A lovely gentle start to the year. Next week, we're getting real talk because we are talking to sex expert Bobby Box. Bobby Box is on Instagram, at Bobby Box. He is all about get rid of that shame, people. Let's get rid of shame around sex. He is so fascinating as a resource. I take to him lots of comments and questions from you that we discuss. So we're solving your own sexual problems, probably solving loads of mine as well, although it's a long list. And it's really interesting. I love Bobby. He removes shame from sex. We all, shame is a big part of sex for everybody everywhere, but I think there's a queer specifics around it. And he makes me feel good about life. I love Bobby. It's a really instructive, brilliant episode. So cannot wait for you to get your teeth into that, as they say. Get in touch, stay in touch on Instagram, homo si- at homo sapiens. Would have thought after five years I'd remember the handle, but you know, there we go. Email your agony uncles, your questions, your comments. I want photos, people. Who's renovating? Send me a photo. Who's baking? Send me a photo. Who's cooking? Whatever. If you're making a piece of toast, send me a photo. Hello at homo sapienspodcast.com. Get one of our new t-shirts in the visit our shiny new website, www.homosapiensstore.com. I mean, I literally feel like Ralph Lauren right now. Listeners, happy new year. This has been wonderful. Until next week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Powered by Spirit Studios.